I've been to some outdoor podcasting. I'm really getting into this. <laughs> So I, I look up a list of 33 facts about New Zealand earlier. Oh, today. yeah. Got you. Uh, yeah. Nine sheep per person. Number one. Number yeah. one in sheep per person. That's a great stat. Yep. Yep. There's so there's there were jokes around. They're kind of still around. And like 20 years ago about um, how New Zealanders were sheep shaggers um, because there were so many sheep. And I don't know how where that joke originated from, but um they did catch some dirty bastards trying to, yeah, make sheep babies. Um, yeah, so, but it's kind of like a bit of a joke. The thing is now though, we're 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 more dairy dairy farming, and there's a lot less sheep than what there there was because of the way the. Um, so that's like that's like, like milk and stuff, not what you call deer, dairy. Oh my god. <laughs> um, similar, yes. So, um, what would you what would you guys call the the like um, industry where you product where you produce milk and cheese? Dairy. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's got an uh, that word's got an dairy. A in it. Dairy. <laughs> Dude, I tell you, oh. we have we have the dumbest language on earth. Like English, <laughs> English is a terrible base to start with, and then what this <laughs> nation did, to, like there are. I don't know, like at least 10 different forms of American English that like you don't even use the same words as the other groups. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so it's so amazing. Here's one that I thought was made up. I was like, this can't be true. I Googled it. It is true. The clearest yeah. water in the world. Yeah, well, Blue Lake in Nelson with a visibility yeah. of 80 meters. That's crazy. That's yeah, very so clear water. So the the two our two islands, which I've told you about in a previous podcast, our two islands are called the North Island and the South Island. It's quite we put a lot of effort into that naming. It'd be really good if they called the top one the South Island. That that would be good, yeah. So they originally had lovely names from the indigenous people, but we decided the smart white people decided that rather than call them something which not South. And and get the they called the tiny little island off the bottom of the South Island. They called it Stuart. Just named it after another white person. Okay, so we're here there, there are three different land masses: North, South, and Stuart. Now, that was, Stuart, Stuart know, everybody and, must have. Who was Stuart? Because everybody must have loved that dude. So I got. I, I actually don't know the origins of the name Stuart. Um, but in my eyes, that's named after a white dude. Um, I mean, it's probably not a Maori guy named Stuart. <laughs> I I agree, um, but maybe it was. Maybe that's why he got the name. Yeah. Um, so this is the thing down in the South Island. The is a lot less populated than the North Island, and that it's beautiful. Like we have mountain ranges that run basically top to bottom. A lot, a lot less. Um, sort of just two main cities, and then only a lot of small towns. And you've got beautiful marine reserves, lakes conservation parks like it's a beautiful not that the north island isn't beautiful but the south is truly beautiful and some of those lakes are just like something you'd see in switzerland or some shit which which island is the lord of the rings island uh both really yeah both yeah both yeah yeah wow yeah um I didn't see that coming 
Ah, kind of William W. They... Stewart. Oh yeah. What was, what do they say? About that oh boy. Well, he's got a, he's got one paragraph like in the middle of the history of it. Uh, he was the first officer on the Pegasus, which visited in 1809, and he was the one that charted the large southeastern harbor that now bears the ship's name, which is Port Pegasus. And okay. he was he was the one that found the north point of the island. So that was his big thing. Was he said this is where it stops? Okay. Oh, yeah. There's he lots also of had people. A timber, flax, and uh, trading settlement. Okay. Interesting. So Good old Stuart. Uh, great stewards in history. That's going to be a, another future segment. Yeah. I think um, go through I all need to find Stuart. I'm sure there's some dirt on the Stuart if the person that led the ships down there was a pedophile. There must be some bad shit out there on him. Man, I just assume like every dude that I've heard of from more than like 80 years ago was probably really terrible in a lot of ways that would like be shunned from society now. Yeah. It's so rare that you like fully understand like what somebody was and then are like, wow, that was a great person. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Usually they're a lot shittier than what we thought. Um, were there any other facts that that you looked up about New Zealand? that? Uh, yeah, I saved the best for last. The one that just like broke my brain was the size of a kiwi egg. That's that's oh. nuts. I can't yep. believe how big that egg is. That that egg is fucking monstrous. So you could go to the zoo. Now, I'm not a massive fan of zoos overall, but the local one to it to me, which is Wellington, they do have some sort of a conservation effort where they they'll bring in like there was some penguin that was like discovered by the road and it was it couldn't swim, so they brought it in, they fixed it up, and they put it they set it back out into the ocean, which is great. Um, but there's a there's like a room where you can watch like a kiwi egg being incubated sort of like in like it's like a sort of like a sunroom like we would i don't know we okay. would grow weed or um and they do have some sort of a genuine conservation effort but it's cool because you can you can see the kiwis themselves you can see the eggs and they are monstrous it's it is kind of amazing it's it's absolutely absurd i think that that might be the best thing about about new zealand yeah, right. if you took those eggs to the states, they would 100 percent eat them. <laughs> I bet a kiwi egg is good. <laughs> they're, 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 danger! It, it, it drives me crazy how few animals we eat. Like I, like I, like I understand like the moral argument against eating animals. Period. And like yeah. I, I can you know I if that's where you're coming from, I get it. But my yeah. question is, if we're gonna do it. Which we clearly we've we have committed to doing this eating animals thing. Why do we eat yeah. like five of them? Why aren't yeah. there like a hundred different animals that we're eating? Yeah, we eat them all. I mean, like if, I'm sure I'm sure there's something out there that's sustainable. Like I don't know, like bat. I, the Chinese people seem to love bat. <laughs> Maybe it's really good. Like yeah. bat bats are making a big impact right now. Yeah, they change, yeah, I mean, they change the whole world. Which tie this back into the last segment. You know what yeah. the only native mammal of New Zealand is? Oh, geez. Penguin. No. It, no, it's, it, it, it's the bat. It's the bat. Wow. The only one. See, Which I don't that. know what that means anyway. Because yeah. like, the, sure. the bat showed up at some point. Like, you just mean native at some point in time. Yeah. Mm. It's a, that's a really good point, man. I mean, 
Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very big on the bat history, but I know that. Um, <laughs> I know that New Zealand Imagine does... if you were. Imagine if you had read like six books on bats. And that was like <laughs> the next. That was like the next hour. <laughs> my my best bat story is obviously Manu Ginobili. The Manu Ginobili <laughs> yes. story will always be legendary. I mean, that that dude. I don't even know. It's it's, it's wild. It, 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 that that is one of those like that and like Randy Johnson hitting the bird are just like sublime moments in sports history where it's it, like that's not going to happen again. No. Like I I am pretty no. sure that no. you know I I don't I don't know what kind of odds a casino would give you but I I would like to go try to place a bet on the odds that in my life <laughs> an NBA player kills a bat on the court. <laughs> And it could only be someone like Manu. Like I don't even know what the I don't even know what the comparison is for the type of like not just player but the type of sort of person that Manu is. Like I don't know if there's any modern day like kind of dudes that could do that. You know? Yeah, that's a, like I don't know. I I think I could see Dion Waiters killing a bat. Like it, it would be, it would be with like a pass that he had slip out of his hand, and there was a bat hanging up like in the rafters, and it just <laughs> smashed it against like a vent. Yeah, I can see that. He would, he would do that after having about forty-seven gummies beforehand. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite sports stories of, uh, in a very long time. That is like, dude, I've been there. I've been there. Wasn't in an airplane, thankfully. Yeah. Probably would have been yeah. a lot worse if I was at work on an airplane. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty rough considering the way that the the Miami Heat team culture is. Um, everyone else is like, they're going around the plane and they're like, what's your body fat percentage? Mine's 7.2. Oh, good job. You can play today. 7.8, 7.5. And they get to Dion. He's just off his face on cubbies. <laughs> well, that was, he had like the greatest article in the Players' Tribune that they ever ran where he was like, yeah, man, this." I, I thought Pat Riley was just talking shit about this, like heat culture being in shape shit. But I got here and this is awful. I think I'm going to die every day. Yeah. But it's amazing if he hadn't got there, he wouldn't have got the $50 million deal. Oh, ab- absolutely not. No, I mean, there's no way. Oh, by the the title, the title of his article that he wrote for the Players Tribune was uh, it was during the playoffs in 2017. And the headline is the NBA is lucky I'm at home doing damn articles. (laughs) That that was an amazing season. They started that season 10 and 31. And then they finished 41 and 41. I forgot about that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. And obviously he was like, you know, 16, 17 points a game. Like it was really fun. Hit the massive shot over the Warriors. And um, yeah, I mean, I lo- although saying that, I did, I've listened to a podcast recently where it said that the Heat, not only get great at developing guys, but the way that they work their players is that they know there's going to be a certain amount of attrition. Uh, and their injury record isn't that great. So it's like they see that they can obviously get guys into shape that no other club can get in, but they also realize that they actually have to be prepared that they're going to have serious injuries, which I'm not sure how I feel about that, but obviously it works. This is this is good. All right, we're, we're, we're steering the boat into basketball now. And so yeah. as an interlude, 
Yeah. I have a song about Mario Chalmers. Uh, this I, this this yeah. is from when he when he left the Miami Heat to to go to Memphis. Um, so here is here is uh, the Mario Chalmers official farewell song of the Heat fan. <laughs> it was a bad trade with Memphis, my friend. You would still be on the heat if Bumpy couldn't defend. <laughs> You're in the grindhouse with Tony Allen. But Mike Conley is the starter, so get used to the bench. So get used to the bench. <laughs> Damn, who knew? All the games you blew. The fans love to boo. Cry when they traded you for Bano. You, we drafted Shabazz. Because Boston way love to ring your ass. You always <laughs> got it when you should have passed. Had to switch up. Mickey saw the text, so we had to ditch ya. Those were the days, never ran Spolster's plays. Now you're running at a slower pace. Running at a slower pace. Uh. How can we not talk about banners when banners all that we got? Everything we went through, you were standing there by our side. Especially that time when Gerald Green almost died. It was a bad <laughs> trade with Memphis, my friend. Oh my you would still be on the heat if Bumpy couldn't defend. You're in the grindhouse with Tony Allen. But Mike Conley is the starter, so get used to it. Oh my god, that was amazing. I miss that era so much. Dude, I because yeah. I, that that was like the first time I ever fell in love with basketball like fully was like literally the day that LeBron went to Miami. Yes. It's amazing um to look back now when you sort of reflect on the social media era like the decision um and i think that if you like evaluated the decision um on its own you'd be like oh lebron you know he fucked up so bad and stuff but people didn't realize that him lebron taking control of his free agency and doing it that way regardless if it made if it didn't make him look that great like he was literally changing the game in terms of free agency and it would never ever be the same ever again like and yeah. i mean if he would never he would never admit that look maybe he might say hey i should have done it better but we when you're informed you know full well that um he just he just messed up a little bit in terms of the way it came across he was 25 like, i'm 25 if you if you told me Ben, yeah. you're going to be if, if to this day it is the most watched yeah. thing on ESPN that is not a live sporting event ever. Wow. There are so many more televisions and apps you can watch shit on now than there were ten years yeah. ago, and it's still number one. There's no way I would have gotten that right. That would have gone so poor. If 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 Disney came to me and said we're going to give you an hour to do whatever you want, it'd be very bad. A <laughs> 35-year-old me would not be very happy with whatever I do on Disney television for an hour. You, dude, you got you got that right, man. I, it just like, yeah, it just changed the way that things are now, and um, and I mean, it probably made it probably made free agency for the NBA, where free agency is such a big thing now. 
that I think that I was tried. the thing that made the NBA a, a year-round sport because football has always been a year-round sport because of it, yeah. the way that football hits cycles of yeah. all right, we got the draft like a month after the, or two months after the season, and then we hit you with free agency, and then you know you start playing practice and preseason, and the rosters start with ninety people, and you get got to get down to fifty-three. Like it's just every week something happens in that league. And I think that was when it turned for basketball where, yeah, I, I, I read stuff about the NBA every week of the year. Like yeah. it's, it, it's on sports center every single day, something about the NBA. Yeah. I hundred percent. And I, and I think that like, when I try to explain how, why I love the NBA so much, I say like free agency is what absolutely wild these days. And the Dude, it's, it's the best. It's like, amazing. Nothing can theoretically ever get better than the NBA outside of, unless you invent a sport where three people get to play at the same time. Yeah, like yeah. So, solo sports don't have free agency because you don't have a team. And yeah. like even like soccer or football or baseball or hockey or rugby or whatever, yeah, you're still a cog in the machine. Yes. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And it's just, it's just marketed in a way now with the way that it works with Woj and Shams and um, the the way that the um, yeah, contracts are set up, the the amount of money that's available to sign players, the way that the trade rules are, the draft, teams trying to load up, and then now teams just needing two stars. Like everything is the NBA almost fell into things being this way as the social media age has meant that players want to team up because they want to get rings like I wouldn't say they fluked into it but 100% I mean they, they like because they got lucky with a lot of stuff but then they capitalized they on that luck and recognized that they were lucky super fast like yes they're very lucky that they're the only sport yeah. that we have in this country that they don't wear anything on their heads like we know what these dudes look like yeah. Like it, the average American knows what like six Lakers look like. I guarantee yeah. you, they don't know what the best guard in the NFL looks like. They have no idea. Like they, yeah. that person, unless they're, you know, setting aside that they're like six foot five, 315 pounds. If they walked in the room, you wouldn't like recognize them. And that's a guy that gets paid like $15 million to play sports. But like <laughs> we, like we have really good like camera crews and editors in the truck that get the close up on the reactions on the guys on the bench and like you feel like you know these guys with the NBA in a way that you just like you literally can't see the dudes' faces in a lot of the other sports. That that is exactly right. And and the thing is that even in the small markets, or it shouldn't be even. The, yeah, no, it is even in the small markets. Everyone knows who the fifteenth man is on the roster. And they're like, oh, I saw photos on his Snapchat. What was that little bag on his couch? Like, they know what the 15th man on the roster is. And everyone follows this guy on Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok. Like, everyone knows every single dude that's on their roster if you're a hardcore fan. And that's the beauty of the NBA is, like, you know, you can write you can write about the dude. And, and, and other... And other sports, people will be like, oh, you know, the sixth, the sixth guy on the team is a scrub and no one cares about him. But in the NBA, you basically know, everyone knows who every, who every player is on their roster. And, like, probably have known who they are since they were, like, 16. 
Probably. They've done all like the research. The, on. The, the NBA, these, these people doing like the top 25 prospects uh, going into college. Yep, that's pretty much who's going to be good in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And just, just seeing the... Yeah, seeing the way that the recruiting works and the oh man, everything, even the NCAA, like it, it's such a big business and it's so fascinating as you learn more and more about it how it works. Oh, man. Like the, I, the NCAA is about to die. I, I I literally have multiple folders on my legal research website about how like vulnerable the NCAA is. Like they oh, they are sitting on a a a bed of lies. Like yes. they're 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 done. It, it, it's going to be so bad for them for the next decade until they're just non-existent anymore. That's, oh, that's fascinating. It's, it's all, it's all so fascinating. You know, all of it is, yeah, I love it. I can't get enough of it. All right. First, very serious NBA restart question from the official NBA uh, insider of the wildly understanding podcast. Uh, Carmelo, what the hell? Yeah. Um, I had a lot of conversations about this, and um, there's a guy that I'm a friend of mine, a close friend of mine. Um, we played pickup last night, and um, I was like running down the court, and I hope overhear him talking about how Carmelo has to guard the best wing defenders in the league, and I'm like, this is this is a thing in New Zealand. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm. Really happy that Melo's lost that weight. And the amazing thing with Carmelo is he's one of those old school players, like the way he's supported, like Alan Iverson was supported. There's not like Kobe was supported. That really hardcore fandom that, regardless of if the guy, like Melo's like probably between, you know, the seven or eight to to tenth best player on a on a championship team at the moment, on a playoff team. Now, the Blazers, he, this year, he, he was like, had to be the th- third or fourth guy. When we hit the playoffs, he's probably going to be the the fifth or sixth best player. Um, but in a lot of fans' eyes, regardless of what this, these people do, they can't, they can't do wrong, even if he's going to be a total turnstile on defense, which he will be. He's lost like 20 pounds or whatever, but he's 36 years old. I don't expect a 36-year-old um, who's a power forward to be able to play small forward and then defend Paul George and Cole, Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs. I don't expect that. I would be re- it would be really unfair if I said he had to do that. But that's what he's going to be asked to do, and he's going to get cooked. So it's great that he's lost some weight, but it's not it's not going to it's not going to be pretty on the defensive end if he has to play 35 minutes a night against those guys. I, I mean, I asked that question just as a joke, and then you delivered like three straight minutes of insane NBA analysis. <laughs> that was like so, like, I just got so excited to talk about basketball with somebody that Let's literally gets paid to know about basketball. Stevie, that was incredible. <laughs> like, halfway through, I was like, oh, yeah, he's wearing a Blazers hoodie, and uh, yeah. he gets paid oh, no. to write about them. <laughs> like I, I thought that was just gonna be us laughing at Melo losing a lot of weight. And then yeah. you told me something that I didn't know about basketball. That's, um, that's okay. The awesome. the second and the last the last joke question before we yeah. actually start breaking up basketball. Although this is the question that I I I spent a lot of the hours of the day just pondering this. 
Does Stan Van Gundy tweet too much? Oh, interesting. So, um, he he's like, I suppose you've got Steve Kerr. You've got Steve Kerr as like the, I wouldn't say he's the resident tweeter, but I'd say that um, if you were sitting on the fence, you could say that he was like outspoken. Um, he, he's the they, same kind of Twitter user as he was a basketball player. Like, you're not going to notice what he's doing very often, but when he shoots, <laughs> he's going to make it. <laughs> you, you got that right. Like strong moral moral compass. But Stan um, has come across even stronger and he kind of poses questions. And I don't know how people feel about that because he's like, he's not involved in the league anymore. So, yeah. And he's not, also I don't think he's verified. So people, even though he held up a photo saying it was him and we know yeah, it is he was, him. He, he went on Levitard last week. Like they, they sent him like a text that was like a guest request for him to come on the show. And their subject line was, or an email, the subject line was just, will you come on at noon so we can make fun of you? <laughs> because he um, like I like I I I am the biggest stand stand like he he would come biggest. on Levitard like oh, this was like probably like eight or nine years ago during basketball he started coming on every week once a week as the like NBA expert during the season and he always had a segment that was called Stan Van Gundy's Hot Nuggets in Your Face which is where he would <laughs> give you like his five best basketball stats of the week. They had, oh like, super God. serious imaging for it. There was stands, hot nuggets in your face. Uh, he is, he, he's up to 487 tweets. I think he's been here for, like, two weeks. Holy Those are good shit. numbers. So, that, that's the good numbers. I think, um, I think that um, he, he's just coming at a time when it, it's just fascinating to, to see what he's up to, but I'm not. I'm not really certain what place he has, but I still all the shit that he's tweeting about is really, really interesting. Um, yeah, the reason he joined was like he and his wife have been doing a lot uh, politically, like of donating to campaigns and like helping campaign, like local campaigns in North Florida, like stuff like tax appraiser, like all all the way down to that level. And his wife was like, "Hey, you should probably just like make a Twitter and promote this stuff." And yeah. so the only reason he talks basketball is to get people to follow him because he knows that people want that. But yeah. like he got on Twitter to try to like get local officials elected. Yeah. Um, some of his tweets don't have that much love on them considering this 50, he has 50,000 followers. Um, well, that's what, yeah, I, I, I have no idea what like normal sports fans feel about Stan Van Gundy. Cause like, I guess for most people, he's just like a coach, but like, I don't know. I've listened to dozens of hours of Stan talking at this point. And so, like, I, I, there are very few coaches that I, I like, understand anything about on the level of Stan. Yeah. So I'm so fascinated by it. Yeah. I hope, I hope, like, he goes through, like, all the phases that everybody that got on Twitter, like, 10 years ago go through, where, like, but, like, super accelerated. It's, so, like, in a month, he's going to be super into memes from, like, 2013. <laughs> like it's just gonna be a bunch of spongebob memes yeah that's a really good point that before we move on do you do you follow um i think his name is rex chapman yes rex Chap yes yeah, university yeah. of kentucky legend rex chapman yeah, he's he's his, great 
his podcast with JJ Reddick was fucking amazing. And I think I'm alerting people to JJ's podcast because they don't, people were like, oh, it's such a great sports podcast. And then they've been listening to it because he gets on amazing guests. And then all of a sudden, it's like the social reform in America and they're listening to a basketball podcast and they didn't realize it's like a little bit political. They're actually enjoying it and realizing that they're actually learning something. And then if you told them that, they'd be like, oh, nah, actually, I don't like this podcast anymore. It's too political because they wouldn't want to admit that. But, I mean, he he was amazing on this pod. And oh, I didn't dude, realize. Rex Chapman is oh, a Twitter man. legend. He's he, so he good. Because, like, his, his feed is, like, 50% funny videos that, like, I didn't see on Reddit or anywhere. Like, he's, like, yeah. actually going out and finding funny stuff to post and memes and then the yeah. other half is just like very cutting political analysis about what's fucked up in this country. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, absolutely amazing. And um, JJ said, "Oh, you do so well in getting and finding Karens that won't wear masks and <laughs> fucking Walmart or whatever." It was something along those lines. And he just said, "He really does, dude." I see. I like. I the best dumb people are on Rex Chapman's timeline. Yeah. He, he must he must have people that just like see videos of people doing really stupid shit and just send it to him. He, he said like, that his, really? his, his inbox is just absolutely full oh, of stuff. I bet he I has an incredible up, I just looked at this video. It said, tired of being a bird. And <laughs> <laughs> it's got like 26,000 likes and the bird's just got to take the phone number. I mean, where does he get this shit from? I, dude, I, that's man. He, I don't know how he ended up. I, that must have been an accident where, like, he had like a few days in a week where he made some good jokes and then it just like started rolling downhill from there. Like, that yeah. can't have been his plan logging onto Twitter was I'm going to be the meme guy that was yeah. in the dunk contest. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but he, he, it's actually his story was interesting because he, um, he said he'd come through some really difficult stuff with um addictions with prescription meds and yeah like, he played basketball at kentucky yeah of course yeah, he was and addicted then, to prescription meds <laughs> that's a very kentucky thing to do but his um it was interesting because he was talking about his nba career and um obviously the similarities with with jj um i didn't realize that he had a game where he had the playoff record with eight threes um playing for the Suns against the Sonics. I think it was like 97. Wow, that's, um, that is, there's going to be a day that you're on New Zealand Jeopardy, and they're going to ask that question for the final answer. I guarantee you, you're going to be the only one that can spit that out. That's a great stat. A great stat. I, I tweeted that out at the time. Um, and I think also because he was taking a volume of three-pointers when the good, the good three-point shooters weren't doing that, I, I don't I don't know why all of a sudden he bucked the trend and did do that um, because even if you looked at Ray Allen or Reggie Miller or whatever, if they got hot, they'd be like, oh, I'm shooting well. I'm going to take seven three-pointers. I think he took 15 or something. <laughs> That's amazing. Dude, it's so crazy how, like, the NBA is, is like, either, either the NBA or, like, Major League Baseball or Formula One are probably, like, the smartest sports with, like, the most cutting-edge, like, just geniuses trying to move the ball forward on it. And yeah. we like just got to three is like way bigger than two. Like the, it took so, it took so long 
for somebody to commit to that as a strategy that like uh, it's it it I, like that is something that says something about humans as a species that there yeah. was a point that's worth 50% more than the other point and it took yeah. that long for somebody to actually try it exactly i watched uh a mate of mine came around and where youtube um has lots of the nba youtube channel has lots of good old films and in the 2002 2003 NBA Finals Game 6 between the Nets and the Spurs. We put that on because it was like an all-time great Tim Duncan performance. But the game itself was terrible. And the offense, the Nets offense was just, oh my God. It was just absolute dog shit. And the worst part was that the Spurs offense wasn't really a lot better. So Tim Duncan would basically swat someone on the other end. I think he finished with like nine blocks and then he would run down the court as quickly as he could to get like not even deep post position he was posting up so far out one position he was posted up probably 16 feet from the hoop he backed this dude down and then (laughs) david robinson runs in on the same side of the court to to post up directly underneath the rim (laughs) and i was like what the fuck someone's running a post up for another guy to post up i just See, dude, it, it is, it's stuff. It's stuff like that that I, I, I will know that video games have like really gotten to where they can be when I can yeah. fire up a two K game and play with that Spurs team and dominate. Because like you can't use them on a video game because it's just like okay, they have two dudes that are seven feet tall. What yeah. am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's so crazy, like watching that and then like just like imagine somebody that just landed here and saw basketball. We explained what it is now. And he said (laughs) 20 years ago, this is what dominated a guy that a a guy that went to the U.S. Naval Academy for four years and a dude that probably would be a professional swimmer uh, (laughs) if his island hadn't been hit by a hurricane. (laughs) Exactly, man. And And like three future head coaches. Yeah, basically, or probably even more than that. And so, yeah, you're just watching that being like, this is... And then Dikembe Mutombo, for some reason, he didn't play the whole season for the Nets, and then they had him in their crunch time of game six, and he's just washed. He was so washed. And <laughs> he's literally trying to post up Duncan or Robinson so far away from the, from the, from the rim, and they chuck it into him, and he just throws this wild shot up. And... You just realized that he was 36 then, Matumbo, and he was still considered like a really good NBA player. But then I was like, oh man, he must have retired like the year after. No, he didn't. He played till he was 42 till they were like, hey, look, um, we've decided that post-ups of, of an age 41, seven foot two guy who can barely run are not good play anymore. You're out of the league. Nowadays... You, you just have one bad season and they just be like, no, you're done. They gave him another seven years of like four rebounds and four points where he could barely run. He was tall he was, and his knees worked. Uh, his his knees used to, they work. used to be way more valuable. He, his, okay, he was tall and he didn't fall over. Yeah, I mean, in his prime, he was obviously amazing. But it's just amazing when that these guys passed their physical fr- um, prime could continue to be in the league when really the rim protection was just only reputational in my eyes. 
Um, and he wasn't offering anything on offense. And, I mean, you could say that maybe he would get rebounds, but I'm sure you could find a replacement-level guy that could do the same. But that just wasn't how they looked at basketball. Yeah, but yeah, as soon as you use the word replacement level with any of those people, they just have a seizure. <laughs> That's What are you talking about, replacement? Repl- what about replacing? <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you know the, 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 the greatest Matumbo story ever told about his time at Georgetown and, so and how, got, he, how he met women? I've got one to follow on from this one. You go first. Oh, boy. Are you, are you familiar with this, his pickup move? No. So when he was he was at Georgetown, I think, two or three years, and his his move at the like local college bars when he was ready to go was to, and this is, this is possibly apocryphal. There are people that knew him at that time that have confirmed it, but there's nothing super credible, but it's, it's been around for like 20 years. Yeah. He would stand up on a table in the middle of whatever establishment he was in and yeah. just bellow, who wants to fuck Matombo? <laughs> and, you know, it worked. Oh, my God. I don't, that is absolutely wild. I think this story will match up well. When I was trying to find um, his wingspan the other night, because I somehow got talking about people's freakish wingspans, um, it came up with this was about 2017 there was a random interview with him and he said he was in the congo and he had seen this kid and he said i saw this kid he reminds me at the same age but he's not doing the thing um we're going i've adopted him as my son and i was like what oh boy that's a good and i'm gonna send yeah i'm gonna send him to georgetown he's seven foot seven and I was like, what? what? Yeah. Wait, how is Kimbe Matumbo not only 7'2", but also good at finding people that are 7'7"? Seven seven? How can I'm you be both sure. of those things? That's amazing. Yeah, so I think he... he it was good that he found the 7'7 seven seven kid and that he adopted him. Imagine being 7'7", seven seven and the one that finds you is Dikembe Matumbo. I mean, he was the right guy. <laughs> that must I, be I don't a know. great day. Yeah. I don't know what happened to this kid, but he, I mean, the problem you're going to have is moving at seven foot seven. I mean, I don't. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, we don't, literally nobody makes anything for people that big. No. <laughs> like, no, you can't go to a store and buy anything. <laughs> um. So, I mean, and even then, he's too big for the NBA. I mean, Boban, Boban's about as big as you can get. I think Boban is either the most underused or the most overused player in NBA history, and I don't know which one. Because like yeah. even, even like stuff like PER, like nothing understands Boban because we no. didn't we didn't make any statistics for people that large. Like yeah. they're not meant to explain that. No, they're not. And and I think that Yao Ming, Yao Ming playing the role that they did when they built around him, you realized that if he didn't have the injury issues that he was just coming to the end of an era where he couldn't have been used much more anyway. Um, and obviously Yao, Yao Ming and four dudes that can shoot threes and switch on defense. Greatest team of all time. If he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. No, like, I basically agree. like run like the LeBron Cleveland offense, but with Yao Ming as the guy that holds the ball. Cause he'd be <laughs> the best passer ever. Like oh, you, yeah. you, every pass would be like, a completely clear lane because of the angle. Yeah. 
That, that's a, that's a, actually, like that's give right. give like Dan Tony. Yeah. Give him yell. Give him give him yell these days. That's actually a really good point. If you played if you played him differently and used him in a different system today, you're right. No, it would work. It would work. But he had to be fit, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's I think he's like saved all of the pandas. So I think he's. I think this has worked out for him outside of basketball yeah. so far. He, I mean, he's he saved pandas, but on his watch, about probably twenty five thousand people have disappeared, never to be found again. Uh, yeah, no, that's none of that is a great look. Like I, I saw like the drone footage last week of, of them like shoving a bunch of people into trains with like shaved heads. I was like, ah, man, I <laughs> I am glad I don't live over there. Yeah, it'd be a real, I, it'd be a real bummer to like be a person living in China and I don't know, like have thoughts. Yeah, yeah, basically. There's no, yeah, there's not really a lot of free speech there. Well, that's, like, have you looked at Chinese Google? Like, China has no. completely different Google. Like, even their Google Maps. Like, countries are named different things than they are in the rest <laughs> of the world because they're, like, different lines that China claims. And so there are, like, borders that start a couple hundred miles past where the rest of the world recognizes. Holy shit. It's wild. Yeah, like they, they, they like they have very few websites. Like they don't got Twitter over there. Like you can't get on Twitter in China. They have their own like, it's, it's like Weibo or something like that. <laughs> it's nuts. And you jump on there, and all it is is all these usernames with eight numbers behind them. Um, yeah, that's what. Like I went to like the website that like their big like search engine, and yeah. there's it, it's like it looks like a website designed in two thousand three. Like it's just yeah. horribly formatted, and then there's like <laughs> like the old like Yahoo News like top ten stories of the day, and it's yeah. all just like, hey, Chinese government, they did a really good job this week. <laughs> oh, of course we, they did. Chinese government just crushing it yet again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and the seventh story is them fucking up a whole bunch of people in Hong Kong. <laughs> right, I, dude. I I wish so much that they would have let players put anything on the back of their jerseys. Just to see, like, who was going to do free Hong Kong. Because it's probably going to be some guy that just likes to troll. Like, yes. my money would have been on Kyrie if he was there. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and not for any, like, not for any reason I would ever agree with. But because, like, he saw a 24-minute YouTube video about it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I, yeah. I want to, yeah, I want to see someone just, like, during an NBA game, just like rip off their jersey and it says they've got another t-shirt underneath which says free hong kong and they just put their fists up and then just run off the court <laughs> dude it, it'd be so good all right it would be so uh, good they'd have to run off the court before they got shot by someone who nba approved oh it. man i yeah that's uh, which they i don't know they're they're already gonna have to have a big delay on the broadcast because they don't want to hear they don't want us to hear what NBA players say while they play basketball. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially because even though they're like, oh, the NBA is weak or soft or whatever these days, you know that there's still dudes that, that cuss each other out really personally, and they definitely cannot have that coming out. I, I'm just sad that we we will never get to see prime Kevin Garnett with no fans and fully uncut audio. Yeah. like I, Kevin, Kevin Garnett would have been canceled. Oh, 100% he would have been. P potential new Timberwolves owner, Kevin Gunning. I saw a headline on that. I don't know anything about that. Are you, yes. Do you, can you explain this, Kevin um, Garnett, Timberwolves Yeah, owner? so a group, 
a group of investors, uh, apparently. Um, he really wants to keep the franchise in Minnesota, and Glenn Taylor only wants to sell to someone who's going to keep the team there. Now, I don't know if that's realistic. Um, that's what happened with the Sonics, and then they just fucked them. Yeah. they bought the team. 100%. Once you buy the team, none of that matters. None of, no, none of that shit matters at all. But then Windhorse has tweeted, um, the Wolf family that owns the Vikings has emerged as a serious candidate. Now, the name Wolf, it just sounds like really rich, really rich old oil money. And obviously they own an NFL yeah, no, team. That's, so. that, I, I tell you what, that guy has or has at some point in his life had a magnificent mustache. Okay. Name what alone. It's Wolf guy. Um, so that will be... That will be really interesting because I think that KG, obviously, the way that he left, um, yeah, the way that he left the Timberwolves wasn't ideal, but he's on the same page as Glenn Taylor where he wants to obviously return, or not return, they never had glory days. He obviously wants to make the franchise. <laughs> that was so mean. Do, do you remember when, so do you remember when we met? Do you remember when when you and I met um, Tom Haverstro at Sports Business Classroom and yes. you told him that I was a Timberwolves fan from New Zealand and he just thought that we were just shit? I told, I told him that you specifically sense. came to America to watch the Timberwolves play basketball. I've never seen such a look of shame. Yeah. He was just... He just wanted me to just get the hell out of his country. Well, was, it was just like him as a guy who lived in Miami for years. Yes. Like, I, I, that must that must break his heart hearing that somebody's first experiences with this great nation were Minnesota. Yeah. That's a really good point. I've looked up, I've looked up Wilf. His first name is Zygmunt. No. How, yes. do you, how do you go by a W name when you've got a Z on the birth certificate? Uh, well, no, no, Wilf is his last name. Oh, Wilf. Oh, okay. Uh, and his nickname is Ziggy. His nickname is Ziggy. Well, I mean, it, it has to be. You can't have another nickname if your name is Zygmunt. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah. You've got to go Ziggy. Yeah. Um, so he, Jewish guy. Um, wow, amazing real estate. He owns 2.3 million square feet of real estate and business property. Wow, I have no idea how much that is. It sounds like a lot, but I wouldn't have it's, a it. That's a big number. Yeah. I have no um, idea they are, what's They own 90,000 90, apartments. Well, okay, I know I know what an apartment is. That's big. <laughs> I understand that a lot more than 2 million square feet. Yeah. Um, so that will that's very, very, very interesting. All right, that concludes Ziggy Talk.